0: Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. We are working through um, in a message series looking at in light of all that God has given us. Just a second while I adjust this there now I can see you over here. <laughs> um, in light of all that God's given us we're looking at things we can give to God in return for his goodness to us. Today we're going to talk about obedience uh, without delay. How Joseph, uh, Mary's husband, really heard God, got directions from him, and then did what God asked. We've, we've been looking at different things we can give to him. Thanksgiving, um, praise, just faithful stewardship, giving, giving of our time and our money back to him. And in the midst of this series, we're uh, receiving our Christmas offering, and I wanted to give you an update. We have received so far $3,500 for the Christmas offering. The first $1,700 is going to go to, uh, and we've already sent the check. We sent the check this week to Randy and Crystal Paul to help them get a VSAT satellite so that they can stay in constant touch. They're serving the folks in Central Asia there. And then 40% of the remaining is going to go to a worldwide missions effort. It goes out to people who are serving in different parts of the world and directly helps them with their ministry to the people there in the areas in which they're serving. And then 60% is going to go to help Thad and Rhonda King purchase a home. They're church planters in Huntington Beach. And what happens when ministries don't have buildings? the, The leader of that ministry, their house becomes a hub. Uh, for that ministry. And God does this. I, I mean, I've seen it happen over and over again as a person plants their life after at least a decade. <laughs> then he starts putting things together to help them buy a house. It gives some uh, stability to, to the ministry. So that's, that's pretty fun. It's been great to see what God has done and it'll be fun to see what God does through the Christmas offering as we uh continue to receive it. Today we're going to dig into Matthew 1 uh, 18 through 25 and then go into Matthew 2 a little bit and and read the one one of the versions in the gospels one account of the Christmas story of Jesus birth. And I wanted to just before we dove right in as you read it it's going to it's going to strike you I think some things are going to strike you not only about uh, Joseph's obedience, but uh, about prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy and the birth of Christ. So I wanted to do a little backdrop as an introduction in in terms of the purpose of Matthew's gospel, what he's trying to accomplish, and then why he would try to accomplish that. The purpose of Matthew's gospel, uh, there are four histories, biographies uh, of Jesus' life. They all have a different purpose. They were written for different reasons. Mark, they believe, is the earliest, and and uh, the others sort of build on his. His is the shortest, and his the others build on him. But um, Matthew wrote his gospel to prove to Jewish readers that Jesus is their Messiah. Now, how he did that is by showing that Jesus' life and ministry fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. And this is interesting because I, I just read a book and we'll look at the title and I, I'll give it to you. It'll be on the screen in a little bit. I just read a book called Christianity, the faith that makes sense by Dennis McCallum. And in that book, he says fulfilled prophecy is God's chosen method of self, self authentication. This is how God has chosen to verify his identity is, is by um, fulfilling prophecy by giving prophecies, and, and this is one way. Okay, there are other ways, but this is one major way that God has chosen to do this. Um, look at look at what is said in Isaiah. It, God says, God Himself through the of Isaiah says that the litmus test, the acid test of real deity, is the ability to know history before it occurs there was a challenge that God gave to Israel uh, in Isaiah they the, the people of Israel had begun to worship idols and so God starts challenging through Isaiah through the words that Isaiah spoke th- their idols and it's it's really an interesting thing that that God does and it it's it's interesting what he says very instructive for us this is what God says in Isaiah 41:21 through 23 Present your case. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king, God himself. Bring in your idols to tell you what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were so that we may consider them and know their final outcome, or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds so that we may know that you are God's. This is how God himself has chosen to verify his identity. This is how you find out whether someone is a god or not. They have the ability to tell what the future holds. And then he says, do something, whether good or bad, so that we will be dismayed, filled with fear. Now, you can imagine these idols. They're just statues. And God's challenging the idols. Move, okay? Do something. Speak. Whatever and and just just so that we can be dismayed and awed by you, it's a challenge it's a very good point that God makes here <laughs> that only God can predict history and then bring it about he He is the only one that can do that, and so that's what McCallum points out in that book christianity the faith that that makes sense he he points out that. To guarantee authenticity, first of all, the predictions must be in writing with reliable dating of the prediction. In other words, it has to be written in a way, and you have to be able to verify when it was written. This is a great way, if you're if you're pursuing Christ, you're investigating Christianity, this is a great way to check it out. Because you can go back. Now it takes, it takes a little effort, but it's well worth the effort. Because eternity and life hangs in the balance. But this is the way you do it. You, you go back and you read the predictions. You verify when the predictions were written. And then he also says, number two, the prediction has to be detailed enough so that coincidence can't explain it. It just can't be a coincidence. There has to be a detailed description of the events that would take place in order for it to happen. Only God can predict the future that spans hundreds of years and then fulfill it. He's the only one that can do that. That's that's the way you verify God's existence, the way that you verify whether or not Jesus is who he said he is. And so that's God's method. And we see this. And the story that I'm going to lay out for you, I'm going to lay out the story. and We're going to look at uh, kind of what, what happened, the historical events that took place. And then we're going to pull out of this some lessons we gained from, from Joseph's life. First of all, here it goes, Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's a quote from Isaiah 714, one of the prophecies that was given at least 700 years before Jesus' birth. Um, Other prophecies surrounding Jesus' birth were given uh, from Genesis around 1400 years earlier. So going on. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Watch his pattern as we walk through this passage. He wakes up from the dream. God has spoken to him. He did what God told him to do. And he took Mary home to be his wife. that was really sort of unconventional because they were pledged to be married for about a year. They would be pledged to be married and they wouldn't live together. And then he took her home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Now, moving on to, to chapter 2. When when they had gone, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. The Magi. Remember, we talked about them last week. The Magi visited, they worshipped him, they gave their gifts to him. Herod was a little concerned of the threat to his throne. And um, the Magi didn't go report to Herod where the child was, but, but left them. So anyway, when they had gone, the Magi. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I, I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. Here it is again. Here's from God. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. This is from Hosea 11.1. Uh, 11, 1. And that was written about the same time as Isaiah. 700 years or so before the events took place. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, a general picture, in the the prior statements, it was prophet. This is prophets. The general picture of the the Savior that was to be born was uh, he was to be despised and rejected, sort of an outcast. Nazareth was a seedy, despicable town, and so that's why Nathaniel, when he's being introduced to Jesus, says, "Can anything good from come from Nazareth?" I mean, that's like, whoa, well, that's a, that's a horrible place. Can anything good come out of that? It's sort of a a, a place where social misfits lived in their time so but that that was a fulfillment of what was said through the prophets as well that he he was from uh, that kind of area he was surprising that this is the king (laughs) he's from Nazareth that's a that's an amazing thing so you see that the fulfillment of prophecy in the life of Jesus, gives you a sense of God's plan and purpose being fulfilled in the birth of this baby on a sweeping scale, a large scale. This is hundreds of years God's carrying out his plan and his purpose. Uh, These prophecies have been in place uh, way ahead of time. This is God's chosen method of self-authentication. And it's evidence that Jesus is God, and the Scriptures have been authored by God Himself. This is evidence, and th- those are two things you, if you're investigating Christianity, you really have to check those things out. First of all, uh, can I trust the Bible? And secondly, is Jesus who he said he was? So this this is a great place to start. And if you if you'd like help with that, just let us know on the connection card, and and we will help any way we can. I. I can actually send you a copy of that book. I have several of them. It's a little little small book. Um, And I have a few of them in my office. I could give you one. Um, Now let's look at what we can learn from Joseph and the way he responded to God. As this, this decisive and dramatic moment in history is being played out, Joseph plays a role. He doesn't get a lot of attention in the Christmas story. He's usually there in the nativity scene, but really he doesn't get a lot of attention. And so what, what role did he play? As the drama is playing out in real time when it was happening, Joseph is simply hearing God speak and doing what he says. And in doing that, in following God's direction, he's allowed to participate in God's greater purpose and plan. When Joseph woke up from the dreams, he did what the angel commanded. So he got up, it says, after a dream, and he took the child and did what God told him. So he, again, he got up from the dream and he did what God said. His obedience without delay, you get the sense, Man, he didn't waste any time. God said it, I'm just going to do it. His obedience without delay to God gave him a front row seat. In a very decisive moment in history, the decisive moment in history, when God entered into our world, it can be the same for us. We, we can experience the same thing, because if you've decided to follow Christ, what he wants you to do, wherever you are, in your family, in your neighborhood, at your work, with your friends, where, wherever you find yourself, God wants to use you. He wants to lead you to connect with people and then help them come to know Christ as well. And that is the decisive moment in their history. That is the moment when everything begins to change in a person's life. That's when it all happens. And so just like Joseph, he followed God's direction. He was in on this sweeping plan of God through the ages, we as well can be in on that just by listening to God and doing what he says. Here's some lessons from Joseph. First one, thoughtful obedience is considerate and merciful. Verse 19 of chapter 1 said, because Joseph her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He he was truly a righteous man. To be righteous means that as you're living your life, you're thinking about how would how would God want me to handle this situation? What is it that would be pleasing to him? How how can I do right before him? As I deal with my relationships, as I handle my responsibilities. And Joseph was a truly righteous man who wanted to please God. And true righteousness produces an obedience that has an edge of mercy and kindness to it. Now, what could he have done? He could have flown off the handle. Wow, Mary's pregnant. Boom. He could have acted in haste, judged her, and and just put her to public disgrace. He had every right by the law to do that. But even before he got a word from the angel he had decided to divorce her quietly out of mercy to her so that she wouldn't become a public disgrace, so that she wouldn't be dragged out of the city and stoned. The danger is when you get serious about following Christ, you begin to make some changes, you begin to walk with him, you learn some things about what scripture says, and boy, lights go on and you're you're changing. The danger is that as you get serious, there is an edge of judgment and condemnation to your actions to your attitudes that as you're trying to change and as you're growing more like christ you 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 mistakenly take an attitude of condemnation to those who aren't quite measuring up to you which how do you know that anyway but if you're growing more like christ if you're actually righteous truly righteous you let go of the condemnation and there's an edge of mercy to your actions even if you have to follow the law there's this edge of grace because the one you're following is full of it he is full of grace and kindness and mercy and peace so responding to to disappointment and conflict You're not looking at what is right alone, but how can I respond in a way that's as merciful as possible? Maybe you need to execute justice, but how can I do it in a way that's merciful? Because frankly, we could be in the same predicament as anybody that we're dealing with. Humility leads to this kind of obedience. A godly obedience is thoughtful. As I follow God... How can I make this as easy on others as possible to want to do what's right, to want to do the same thing, to be righteous before God? Listen to James 1, 19 through 20. I thought of this verse as I, I looked at what Joseph was, was, how he was living. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Kind of obedience that pleases God, considers others out of love, and doesn't try to take just doesn't try to move forward with the rules and blow people away. Second thing we learned from Joseph, and I mentioned this earlier, is listen to the Lord's direction and don't hesitate to follow. He was a righteous man, not perfect, but he lived his life trying to do right before God. That's that's what he did. His his number one concern, in a given circumstance or situation, was to do right by God. If he made it, if he messed up, then he made it right. That's part of what it means to to be a righteous man. Being righteous, he could hear God. He was listening for God. He was trying to understand what God was doing in his life and what God was saying, and. This still goes on today. God speaks. He speaks through His Word. And he speaks through His Spirit. Um, he, he, we get into the Scripture and He shows us things and He moves us to do certain things in a certain direction. He nudges us throughout the day as we're living our lives. He'll nudge you. He'll give you thoughts. And, you know, maybe you could say such and such or, or do so such and such and. And really help this person out. Maybe you could bring a word of encouragement. Anyway, the the Spirit's nudging us. And when we obey, we're able to watch him work. We see God's plan unfolded. We see his purpose flowing through us into the lives of others. And so we, we can do what Joseph did in just the same way. Our own lives are changed and God uses us to play a a role in the lives of others as he changes their life. If we hear God and don't respond then his voice gets softer and softer and softer until we we aren't hearing him. We're ignoring him. And so we we miss what he's doing. Hebrews calls this becoming dull of hearing. And we get exposed to God's Word, we get nudged by the Holy Spirit, we resist, we refuse, and we become dull of hearing. We just don't hear so well. So our part is to make sure that we can hear. To, to hear God, you have to be set on doing what He wants you to do. John 7:17. 7, it's not in your outline, but that's, that's a verse that says, if you want to hear God, if you want to know Him, you've got to be set to do what He says. And then... If, if there's something that we mess up, if there's sin in our life, we confess it because that clogs our ears. This stuff, a, 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 a resistance to doing what God's asking us to do and just all out cherish sin that we have in our life will clog our ears. So, our part is to get set to hear, make sure we can hear, and then follow as He directs. And boy, life gets good. He uses you to encourage people. He he uses you to help them come to Christ and watch their lives changed and just really be a blessing. And we were made to do this good stuff. It's hard to want to do it sometimes because we get wrapped up in our own lives and our own stuff. But we were made to do good. In fact, uh, Jesus, those of us who've committed our lives to follow Christ, Jesus has saved us to do, he's created us to do good works. Just to do good things. And when you do that, wow, life is good. It's enjoyable. It, it really is. Um, following God's direction brings his blessing. This is what I've been getting at. Um, James 1, 23-25. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You go to a mirror, this is the picture, you, you go, you look in the mirror, boy, I need to shave, i got to comb my hair. I don't normally need to comb my hair, but, you know, you, I got, and then you walk away and you don't do anything about it. That's not why you look in the mirror, you look in the mirror see what needs to be fixed. And, and that's what he's saying. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like this. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That's where the blessing is. It's in the doing. It's not in the knowing. It's not in the knowing what the Bible says. It's not in the reading what the Bible says. But it's in the doing what the Bible says. It's in the obedience without delay that we find the blessing. Following God's direction increases our understanding. John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love him and show myself to him. Obedience. Is how you get to know Christ, how you understand him and his ways. And it opens up realms of understanding more and more as you take the steps that God has given you to take. As he lays those on your heart, as he shows you what to take, you take the step and your understanding grows. That's the way it happens. And then uh, following God's direction is a proper gift in return for God's love. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ controls us. We've, we've experienced the love of Christ and it compels us. It, it controls us because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was, was raised. What I've discovered is that as as I learn to give my life away, God gives better stuff in return. But there's always a struggle. I always want to hang on. And I, I don't want to let go of my life. I like to hang on to my life, my stuff, my time, my little cushion, you know, my my night where I can just kick back and watch TV. And I like to hang on to that stuff. But as I live for him, and to the extent that I, I do live for him, I experience what life is all about, and, and God brings his blessing. I'd like to ask Neil Walker to come up. Neil's going to share with us, and I think uh, as as he shares with us about his ministry at USC, many of us know about it, but I just wanted to dig into it and talk a little bit about uh, what he and Melinda are trying to accomplish in their, with their lives as they give them away in service, and then also um, kind of how God's provided for them. Come on, bro. Um, I think we're going to see an example of what we're talking about in terms of obeying God and then experiencing his blessing. So, Neil, many of us may know, but what what is it that you do at, at USC and what are you trying to accomplish there? Sure. We're the uh, I'm the director
1: of a group called Christian Challenge there at SC. And it's a ministry and kind of a movement at SC that is really designed to help students come into a relationship with Christ and then learn to walk with him in biblical community and then to be uh, equipped and motivated to reproduce that around the rest of the world.
0: All right. And how long have you been trying to do that? Twenty-two years. All right. Now, that's a long time. Yeah. So you've been able to see uh, – the difference that it makes for a student who doesn't know the Lord to come to know Christ, and some of the changes that begin to occur, and then even after, after college, what are what are some of the differences that you've seen
1: that, well, that I it think, makes? Uh, students' lives, uh, just their purpose, uh, seeing some things radically transformed. Uh, uh, I think about students who come there, and they're really. Uh, Many times they're they're there and their their first thought is what they're going to do. They've got this 10-year plan or 15-year plan or you know five-minute plan, but they've got a
0: a plan <laughs> about what their life's going to
1: be like. And and most of the time, what they need is uh, they they need to understand that uh, they need to get in on what God has a plan for their life and His agenda. And so, just seeing that totally change, seeing how that changes um, not only um, their own per- personal purposes, but seeing how it changes their families. Um, how it changes their extended family as they begin to share that with others. Cool.
0: Now, how and why did you decide to do this? Go go into this ministry well, in California. Was, uh, yeah,
1: I think it was a couple of reasons. I think one uh, one was just the significance of um, of college students. I really think college is a time when life um, really starts to make up its mind for a lot of people. They decide what they're going to do with their life, who they're going to do it with, who's really going to be the boss of their life. So that's one of the big things. And I think the other part was just kind of wiring, gifting, kind of the way God wired me together. I, uh, I, I really enjoy working with college students.
0: Were there any opportunities that you turned down to, to do this? Uh, yeah, quite a few. I mean, there
1: were a couple of opportunities to teach. In uh, seminaries um, that they'd asked me to. Uh, that would have been in. exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like uh, sorry, <laughs> kind of like getting your teeth scraped. Yeah, it's always fun. Uh, but uh, now there were several opportunities to do that. Actually, there you know, the seminary can be a great uh, thing. You know, uh, uh, for somebody else, but it uh, it it's, it it can be a, it can be a great opportunity. There's a lot of training things that take place there. But there were a couple opportunities there. There was. Uh, uh, several in campus ministry, and then one in a, a, a church that uh, had asked us to come there. But
0: hmm. What has been the most rewarding thing for you personally uh, um, about your ministry at USC?
1: I think it's really seeing students' lives turn around, hmm. seeing them change.
0: All right. Now, just wanted to ask some questions about your house and because I know it was fun. We were a part of – Church of the Valley was a part of helping – uh, pull some things together but how do you and melinda use your home in ministry
1: well one it's kind of uh the headquarters for ministry it's where like the office <laughs> if there is an office uh
0: that's where the office is uh um, isn't that in your in your bedroom? in also? our yeah yes.
1: it was in the bathroom for the longest time and that's a whole other story
0: but we'll not go there but anyway yeah that's
1: kind of the office of sc it's also where we have like uh it's where we have meetings. It's where we have staff meetings and ministry team meetings. It's where we have a lot of training uh, things, different opportunities like that. So, one, it's like that. Another thing, it's kind of a, a home away from home. In, in more ways than one, we've had a lot of students that live with us over the years, uh, some for a short time, some for a longer time. I was talking to a guy this summer, and he goes, uh, he was talking for a while, and then he said, I lived with you for a week. And I said, yes, you did. And I thought, who are you?
0: Uh, but uh, You know, I mean, uh, and I,
1: I know he did. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he did, but uh, you know, there's people that have lived with us a lot over the years, and then um, a lot of celebrations, a lot of holidays, like we had a little over 50 students there for Thanksgiving, so it was just a good time. That's cool.
0: Um, several years ago, like I mentioned, there was a fundraising effort to help you purchase your home, or begin purchasing your home. Um, what were the circumstances surrounding all of that, the Well, I was teaching a class. to do that.
1: Sure. I was teaching a class uh, back in in Kansas with uh, Max Barnett, a friend. And so I was teaching a class. Melinda was getting ready to go overseas to China to visit one of our grads who was doing ministry there. And uh, she called me one day and said, um, the landlord said she wants to move in here. And I thought, well, that's going to be crowded. And she said, (laughs) no, no, she wants us to move out. And so I thought, bummer. Uh, So... um, so I found out about that, knew we had to move, and then I uh, started trying to figure it out. Looked around, there was just no places available, and um, nothing uh, that was anywhere comparable that we could find in the area.
0: And so, how did God work to put things together so that you could stay in that house and purchase, it, begin to purchase it?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, Max uh, had suggested. He said, "Had you ever thought about buying the house?" And I started laughing. I thought, "Yeah, right." Uh, no. And uh, <laughs> then I got back and then Randy kind of spearheaded everything. He said, what would you think if I wrote, uh, like, people, uh, that alums and people in ministry and stuff that with you and asked them about being a part of that? And I thought, no, because we found that we had to have, like, $90,000 down in order to even afford the payments. And so I thought, no, I don't think that's a good idea because, you know, most of our alums have, have been able to stay like us fairly broke. And so... Uh, So I said, you know, I think that plus that after they gave all they wanted to give, we'd still probably be about, you know, eighty nine (laughs) thousand five hundred short. So I don't think that would work, you know. And so he said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And so he did. uh, And um, so then God just began to sovereignly move and people began to sacrificially give.
0: I knew that was going to happen. I set him up. I'm sorry. I'm calm.
1: I am a rock. I am a Vulcan. Okay, that's right. That's exactly right. Anyway, in about two weeks, people gave like a hundred and three thousand dollars. So,
0: yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, let's stop and just thank God for that. Father, we thank you so much just for the work that you do. I thank you for Neil, Melinda, for their just heart to love and serve students and others, uh, all the people that come across their path. God, I thank you for the way that you have provided, and just the blessing it is to see how you work to give what's needed to accomplish your mission and your purpose. Lord, thank you for what you've done. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Just like... I wanted Neil to share that because what God does. How, how long were you there, bro, before this, you, you were able to purchase the home? How long had you been in the ministry?
1: Uh, right, at 14
0: years. 14 years. So, you know, a couple moves out, they sacrifice, they never expect things, and, and God gives what's needed to accomplish his purpose. We can experience this. Right here and now, just just like Joseph did. He got direction from God. He stepped out to follow God. We can see God use us to make a, a difference in the lives of people as we hear him and obey without delay. As we follow him and, and do what he's telling us to do, we can have a front row seat as God transforms lives. It's really what we're all about. As, as, as a church, to help see people come into a relationship with Christ and their life change because of that. We're going to be receiving the offering in a few moments. There's some next steps that you could take. I, I'd, I'd also just like to say thank you for your faithful giving. Um, we're able to do what we do as a result of, of your tithes and offerings, your generous giving. And so I just wanted to say thank you. But we're going to be taking the offering in a few moments. Right, some next steps that you may want to take and let us know about. You can let us know on the connection card and drop that in the offering when it comes by. Uh, first one, memorize Second Corinthians 5, 5.15. I memorized that verse in college. It reminds me, Randy, stop thinking about yourself and live for him. Live for Christ. And He died for all that those who live might live no longer for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is why we exist, if you follow Christ. Second thing you could do, next step, is I will follow direction God has already given me. Maybe God's been speaking to you. He's already given you some direction. You know the step that he wants you to take. Take it. I'm going to take that step. And then I am deciding right now to do whatever God wants me to do. You just God's spoken to you as we've gotten into the... Scripture, And I want to do whatever God lays on my heart to do. I just want to get set. I want to get my heart set to obey without delay. That could be a step that you take. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for your grace and kindness. And as you lead us to righteousness, you you have such an edge of mercy and grace and kindness that doesn't demand you you don't you don't really expect and you don't want to condemn but you want us to experience life and all there is in it thank you god for your who you are your your makeup for being loving and faithful and kind and patient god help us lord to give in return for the things that you do in our lives, for the things that you have done in salvation, and for the things that you continue to do. Help us to, to lay our lives before you and, and ask you to use us and be used in the lives of the people around us as we, as we walk through our days. God, may we be available to hear you and respond by obeying you. We ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.